What's up, my podcast listeners? This is your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and we are doing another edition of my podcast or video because I've been getting a lot of better traction. People have been enjoying my longer episodes and videos, especially when it comes to exercise stuff where I can demonstrate. So today we're going to do quite a bit of demos. So if you are just listening in your car, at home, cleaning, whatever stuff you're doing, um, I'm going to be very, very descriptive so you can kind of get an idea. But I highly, highly recommend that you hit the show notes and watch the video um, because today we're going to go over um, proper squat technique and where a lot of people kind of screw up on their squat and where they could be limited. So I'm going to be moving the camera around a lot to kind of showcase different body parts, some cues and body positions. Um, so that being said, um, hit the show notes, watch the video, highly recommend it. Um, also that being said, I am trying to get 200 subscribers to my YouTube channel. I'm like 180 something and I've been really pushing on my social media to get people subscribed because I post a lot of videos. So not only do you get to watch this and get a notification that, you know, oh, I uploaded a new thing, you also get to see all the new exercises I'll be uploading weekly. Like I tend to upload anywhere from like three to 10 um, per week. So 100% recommend subscribing to my YouTube channel. But anyway, um, the squat. So in this case, we are, obviously don't have a barbell because I don't have a barbell at my house, but we will kind of cover um, back squat form. But primarily I do um, quite a bit of squatting with clients um, in a gauntlet position for a couple of reasons. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll start with this. So one, um, the barbell back squat in general requires a lot I mean like a lot of prerequisites in order to do it um, effectively. And I would say 99% of the general population should not be barbell back squatting. They have no business doing so. I have yet to see a general population person do um, a good barbell back squat. Like even for me, like I move pretty well. My back squat's not that great. Like I'm pretty sure I could learn really, really, really well from a powerlifting coach, Olympic weightlifting coach. But even for me, like it's not the best lift that I do and it doesn't really transfer on other exercises or it doesn't really give me the benefit, um, you know, long-term for other things. So um, the goblet squat is kind of where I start with so many people. And the number one thing is that putting a dumbbell in this position, this goblet position, um, kind of self-corrects a lot of things. Because if you think about it, if I was holding a dumbbell like this and squatting down, it would probably not feel really good to collapse here. So automatically, your body just wants to self-correct and to be a more neutral position, more of a joint-centrated position, and things kind of just fall in place where they should. And say, you know, like 
I'm not bashing back squats. It's just a lot can go wrong during a squat like that. And you need a lot in order to do that. And one of the prerequisites for strength, I'm not gonna go into mobility yet, for strength, um, and I stole this from Dr. John Russin, is the goblet squat challenge. So you would take 50% of your body weight in a dumbbell, kettlebell form, whatever it is, and you're gonna try to squat that weight 25 repetitions. It's, that's fucking tough, right? So say you're a 200 pound person and you're holding a 100 pound dumbbell and you need to squat with good form 25 reps before you should start going into the barbell back squat. Like, I think that in itself is one of those great ways to kind of gauge because like think about what is necessary in order to do a squat like that like that requires a lot of strength a lot of endurance a lot of core strength like a lot of the small foundational things that people tend to forget to develop and they jump right into the back squat rather than actually being able to do something like that like fuck if i took my half of my body weight and did 25 reps i'll be like fuck like my legs are done right so sometimes you know i talk to people that are like kind of so set in their ways with fitness and health because one i work at a gym where there's a lot of people that come in they do their thing they love the barbell back squat the barbell deadlift and then you know sometimes they'll ask me questions about the back squat and i take the time to like assess them look at them and i'm like honestly you shouldn't be back squatting and it's usually the same people that kind of hit a plateau or like something flares up every time they try to go heavy and they can't get past a certain thing and i'm like you should probably not be back squatting you should probably scale it back do some other stuff to kind of work through those um deficiencies and then revisit and they're like mm, yeah. they're not really up for it but but like taking half of your body weight into a dumbbell and squatting and you realize that it's difficult why do you think placing a barbell on your back that's going to have compressive forces and shear forces on your spine continually and then on top of that do form that's like mediocre like that's not going to help you down the line or or anything really and then I always ask this question I'm like okay well what's the goal behind you back squatting like what are you trying to achieve and a lot of times I just get a question it's like oh I just want to get strong legs and I'm like well there's so many other ways that you could get strong legs without barbell back squatting so I think a lot of times people kind of um just assume because you're using a barbell it's like the pedestal of leg training exercises but in reality it's not it's like unless you're going to be competing in powerlifting or um what's it called olympic weightlifting then you don't really need to do it if the goal is to get strong legs better looking legs like there's so many other exercises out there that will um do its job and on top of that not have so much of a taxing um force on your body and you know do more harm than good so that's kind of my thought process behind the barbell back squat because now let's get into what's needed right so not only do you need strength and core stability hip stability shoulder stability all those things that kind of 
keep your body safe while doing the exercise, but there's a lot of mobility requirements. So number one is your thoracic mobility. If your T-spine, which is up here, can't effectively extend to place this barbell behind your back, then already you're fucked. <laughs> you're, you're already like doing it wrong. But if you look at the general population, like everyone has terrible T-spine mobility. And now they're thinking like, let's put a barbell on my back and hopefully, hopefully like nothing fucks up. But it does, it does. Um, so that's number one. Because when you think of, when you, I'm gonna try to tilt this down a little bit. Um, when you come down into your squat, let's say I have my barbell behind and I come down, like my torso needs to stay upright. So if I have a um, T-spine that doesn't really extend that great, I'm gonna kind of be here. So let's, t let's take that mobility that an average person has and now I'm squatting down. Look at already what's happening with my spine and look at my lumbar spine. Like that does not look good. So this is, this is literally where people kind of stop in their squad. They can do a quarter squat and then if they go any lower and I'm gonna tilt this a little bit further down to showcase this. So again, person with terrible T-spine mobility, they're kind of here, they start squatting and then they get to here. Like that butt wink that people talk about happens a lot faster and it's already starting to go into play like forces are going to places where they shouldn't right and i'm not saying like that rep that you just did is the one that's gonna destroy your spine but it's the repetitive nature of it right like it's just like if someone's going to go bend it down to pick up their kids or super rounded it's not that one thing it's like the repetitive motion of it so that's one thing in order to effectively back squat, to have the barbell in a biomechanically, like a biomechanically advantage position, you need T-spine mobility. So that's number one. Number two, shoulder mobility. So in order to take this barbell that's in front of you in the squat rack and place it behind you and effectively create tension, like that's the other thing too, is like when I, talk to general pop uh, about back squatting the first question goes like how do you create tension and they're just like they look at me like i'm speaking a different language and i'm like okay if this person doesn't understand the concept of creating tension creating intra-abdominal pressure in order to successfully like go through this movement without energy leaks or again, things going through places that are not supposed to, then they're already at a disadvantage. And on top of that, they're already with limited T-spine mobility. Like things are now just spiraling out of control without them even knowing. So in order to create tension with a barbell on a back squat, is if you were grabbing this guy and I have it behind my back and I'm pulling down into my traps. So the moment I pull down, like think of a lap pull down, like you're getting all this stuff to create tension for you, right? So if I now have terrible T-spine mobility and I'm trying to take the barbell, what's gonna happen is a lot like, perfect scenario is if I pull down, my elbows stay tight. And then this kind of tight position will get those lats engaged. But if I don't have T-spine or shoulder mobility, what happens is if I'm on a side view, what you'll see is these like chicken wing arms like people's back squat tends to look like this. 
right? This is the typical position that everyone kind of falls into when they don't have those prerequisites. Now there's no way for you to create tension in that way. Um, just the design of like your shoulder being in this position trying to like pull down, like it's not gonna happen. So now, let's move this camera down again. Say I am average Joe, back squatting, grab the barbell, I'm already in this random shoulder position and I'm like this. Like this is how the squat's gonna look at a quarter and then going any further, things again are starting to fall apart. Now, that was two things only. What do most general population people have? That's another issue, tight hips. And you're trying to squat. If you have tight hips, it's not gonna really happen. It's gonna be like a square and around, a square peg in a round hole constantly trying to get through. So a lot of people end up doing quarter squats and they're just like jamming their um, femur into their hip uh, socket and you're just like grinding shit in places that it shouldn't be in. And what happens then is people almost kind of go into this like good morning type of squat with their upper torso, big rounded, and things are just getting worse now. The th fourth thing you need Actually, I'm going to go back to the third thing with the hips. So what happens is that if your hip joints don't move the way they should, your body's going to find mobility elsewhere. And it's usually a place that doesn't need to be mobile, a.k.a. your lower back. So what happens is your lower back takes over for the um, lack there of hip mobility. And now the low back has now starting to act like a mobile joint and over time that lower back's not going to be happy so that's one of the biggest things you see this in deadlifts and squats but one of the biggest complaints is low back pain and on top of that the same person that we're describing also doesn't really have a lot of t-spine mobility go to any good physio or chiro what happens is that people with low back pain they um, assess their T-spine mobility and hip mobility, they usually have zero. And then they're like, yeah, no wonder your low back hurts when this thing can't move and your hips can't move. Your low back's doing everything for you. Now, number four, tibial rotation. Now I'm gonna bring the camera down because this takes a little bit of visual, visual I can't speak today, um, like a visual. So. If you, I'm gonna tilt this guy down a little bit. I need use a better tripod to do stuff. So, and I do this in my kin stretch class all the time and people don't really understand and I need to click my camera because I'm super white and like the camera's light. There you go. Um, so your tibia, which is this giant bone in your shin, when you squat, it needs to be able to externally rotate. So your knee joint, where you have your bone that literally goes in there, it allows it to rotate. And so this is my right side, so I can rotate to the right. So in my kin stretch class, when we do knee cars, I'm literally trying to get people to think about, you know, if I lock out my ankle, so now I'm not using my ankle joint like I'm doing ankle circles or anything like that. If I lock it out and try to rotate my foot to the right as far as possible, this just moved. So if you look at my shin, I'm literally going to external rotation. 
and I can also go to internal rotation a little bit. So back and forth, this tibia gets to move. So if I literally like pinpoint my tibia and I squeeze down on my hand and I start rotating my foot out and you can see where my thumb is pointing, it's actually rotating to the right. This is a normal um, amount of tibial rotation for somebody. A lot of times when people are trying to squat and they're having a rough time getting down there, usually when, you, when I assess the person's tibia, they can't rotate this guy properly. So what happens is now, again, shear forces are going to places where it shouldn't because like having adequate tibial rotation allows you to kind of disperse force through it. And if that doesn't happen, it kind of gets stuck in the hip and people start getting painful um, uh, a painful hip joint because it's taking up all the, the work. So one, that's number four, is if this tibia can't move properly, then it's not, you're not ever going to squat the greatest, right? So a lot of times, like, people just need to go back to the basics. And this is where, you know, my new joke now is like, hey, I have this thing in my body it's my knee my ankle my wrist my elbow my shoulder my hip whatever joint whatever muscle it is they're like what should i do on my fucking kin stretch like kin stretch will literally fix everything because we need to influence tissue change at a joint or at a certain muscle that's not moving the way it should so let's influence better tissues better like smarter tissue right so literally um, kin stretch can fix all that. Now, the other component to squatting effectively is your ankle joint. I've literally done um, an entire episode about the ankle before, but essentially this ankle needs to have adequate dorsiflexion. So if I drive my knee forward, it needs to go pretty far. I'm going to kind of move my arm in order for me to squat. A lot of people have tight ankles and they get to a certain point, they get stuck and now they can't effectively um, squat in their back squat, goblet squat, whatever it is, and things kind of fall apart. So that being said, we have now, well, we said T-spine, um, shoulder, hip, tibia, an angle, five things, five things in order to effectively um, squat. And most of the time when I get people um, working with me and I assess them, all five things don't move the way they should. And then they're complaining that they're getting pain in X, Y, and Z when they back squat. And I'm like, well, no wonder, <laughs> right? Like that makes sense to me. But for some reason, a lot of people feel like downgraded when I take them off back squatting or I suggest that. And I'm like, no, like you literally said the goal of the back squat for you is to get stronger legs or better looking legs. You don't have to back squat in order to do that. There's so many other ways. So I try to make the compromise of let's um, gobble squat heavy to supplement that back squat. Number one, when I convince them, um, right away they see a huge change in how, they jo how their joints feel. And it's almost like a relief on like, oh great, I don't have to put a barbell on my back and like 
go through it and kind of feel not the grace the next day. So the goblet squat is one of those things that I always move to and there's lots of ways to make it challenging. So say if you're a gym bro that's been back squatting forever but it's been effing up your body and you're like at that point where like, okay, I will do your goblet squat. And I always make this joke slash statement like I can take the strongest guy at our gym, give him the 100 pound dumbbell in a goblet position and tell him for five reps, you're gonna goblet squat. But what I wanna see is you're gonna eccentrically load, so going down slowly for five Mississippis. And then at the bottom of your squat, you're gonna hold it for another five Mississippis. And then when you go up, I want you to go as fast as possible. And that's one rep. Do four more after. That will destroy him, destroy that guy. And that's when I can convince people that, holy shit, this is a lot harder than slapping 225, doing quarter squats with terrible biomechanics. Like you're gonna get more out of that than forcing a square peg in a round hole constantly, right? I just don't understand people not getting there without me like proving to them that their body doesn't move the way it should and then showcasing another strategy for them to progress at their gym career. And that also helps, like we talked about this whole concept of like time after attention, like movements that burn more calories and everyone that's listening, everyone that goes to the gym is trying to burn more calories to, you know, build more muscle, shed more fat. The goblet squat, that example I just gave is going to help. That's gonna get you there compared to slapping the barbell on your back and doing it like one fourth of what it's supposed to look like. So let's move on because I can go on that topic forever. Um, we're going to go into how I coach the Galba squat and what I want to see. So let's move the camera so then you can see me squat it out. Now, Remove this. I feel like I need a better camera setup. Okay, so with the goblet squat, typically, and this goes down to anatomy too, everyone's hips are different. And I always have this discussion with everyone. But typically, a more narrow stance with your heels and a more outwardly rotated. Um, forefoot with the knees tracking over it tends to work better for most people compared to like oh hip width apart toes straight whatever it is so when I get people squatting like I said a more narrow stance closer with the heels with the toes out with the knees tracking on the outside tends to work a little bit better why most general population can't speak population people um, their hips have adapted to their sitting quite a bit and in my experience in the gym and clinic that squat stance tends to work a lot now there are different squat assessments and again stealing it from dr. John Russin where you can measure about um, like three or four different points on uh, the body to figure out what their best uh, squat stance is uh, but we're not going to get into that today, but generally speaking, that's what tends to work. So, in that squat position, a more narrow stance with 
the heels. Hope you can see that. Yeah. Toes out a little bit more. And this is the thing is I want people to think of having their knees constantly follow where the toes are. And that's going to engage all these hips, uh, hip lateral stabilizers in the squat. Because the worst thing is when people start squatting and their knees kind of buckle in and then they come back up. And that's another reason why I don't like um, having the toes forward, which a lot of people tend to fall into that category because that's what they were told. But if you're that person that has limited ankle mobility and tibial rotation, that's not going to help. And you're going to end up looking like this in your squat. And that's like a deadlift. We don't want a deadlift. So if you think about it, if you're that person with tight ankles and tight uh, and limited range of motion in your tibia, then this position here where one, you're tracking your knees out, which is going to already allow your tibia to go out. You're pushing your knees out, which is going to externally rotate your hips to give you more mobility because a lot of people lack internal rotation. Um, and now you're also allowing to utilize more of a vertical shin angle, which requires less of dorsiflexion. So we're covering already three things for a better squat of the five that we spoke earlier. And this is why it tends to work a lot. So now in that goblet position with that foot position that we're in, and we're squatting to about parallel, whatever you can do. And if I'm holding a dumbbell here now, like I was talking about earlier, how it's more of a um, self-correcting exercise. It teaches you how to extend through the spine. And now we don't have to worry about um, shoulder mobility to get that barbell behind our back. So now we've literally covered all five issues in what we spoke about earlier to get that squat looking better. Now that we are biomechanically at an advantage with all those things, boom, we're good to go. Let's load and now let's fuck some shit up. That's what I always say. And the other things too, to create that tension, right? It all kind of starts with your feet. So if you think of like a ground up approach, when I'm getting people to um, squat, as they're pushing their knees out, I'm telling them to push their feet out without like rolling their ankle over. So the moment, like even if you stand and you, just think about, I'm gonna push my feet out. You feel these lateral stabilizers turn on right away. You're creating tension. So if I'm doing that position and pushing out, I'm creating a lot of good tension. And as I'm coming down in my squat, I'm taking a big intra-abdominal uh, breath in my belly. So if I took a deep breath in, big round belly and hold as I come down. And then I'm exhaling as hard as possible and then locking out my glutes at the top. And then the other way to create tension that I really, really, really like is utilizing the um, piece of equipment. So if I'm holding the dumbbell, I'm thinking of like squeezing that thing and also hiding the armpits. What do I mean by that is a lot of times when people go into goblet position, they're kind of already in this round position. But if I tell you to hide your armpits, people fall into this position. Now I'm kind of packing that shoulder, getting my lats engaged, and I have a better... Um, way to create tension. So now I have tension creating in my feet, in my knees, in my hips, in my core, in my hands. And I'm also doing that into getting into more T-spine extension and better uh, shoulder stability. So 
five biomechan biomechanical advantages already covered. We've already created tension. We already covered our breath. Like, fucking load it now, right? Again, these are a lot of th things to remember, and it can be overwhelming for someone new, but these are the things that I slowly start implementing one thing at a time. So then when we do get to a point with my client where I'm like, okay, here's the 60 pound dumbbell. They're ready, they're well equipped and they can fucking crush it. They do their first set and then they're like, crap, I can't believe I did that. And I'm like, yeah, we freaking worked up to it, right? So it's those small things that add up over time. But a lot of people always wanna skip they always wanna skip steps, I don't understand. That's like you trying to bake something and you're like, fuck step three, I'm just gonna go to step number five, put this bitch in the oven and hopefully it turns out. Like, no, like everyone knows that's so stupid, but in exercise for some reason, it's like, no, I don't need to do dumbbell squats, I'm just gonna go right to the barbell because everyone else is doing it and it looks fucking cool. Like, no, because at the end of the day, we all wanna move better, feel better and get stronger. Like. You got to match up the exercises to your goals. So I'm going to leave it there because I know that I could probably go for another hour on this, but this gave you a lot of information, a lot of visual cues, a lot of things to think about when you're squatting. And hopefully I convince you to actually stop back squatting a little bit. I've literally done this with CrossFitters that are literally in chronic pain when they squat. And I convince them like for one month, stop back squatting. Stop putting a barbell on your back and just goblet squat and tell me how you feel. And like, that's the one thing, every single one of them, they feel so much better. And then they go, you know what? Maybe I need to look at my ankles, my tibia, my hips, my T-spine, my shoulders. There you have it. So if you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out. Um, hit the show notes, watch this video, subscribe to my channel. So then you get updates anytime I post a new one. Um, also add me on Facebook and Instagram because I post again a lot of videos and photos and things like that of a lot of content. And please reach out. Like I post a lot of stuff. I love answering questions. I'm getting a lot of rehab specific questions right now. And for those who don't know, who are like, I just found you, Raph. Like you're pretty good at what you do. I've been working at a chiropractic clinic for three years now working with almost every single patient coming in, I've seen a lot of injuries. I've worked with a lot of injuries. I've worked on some really weird cases and applied my knowledge of exercise for these people. And I've seen great results, both on the manual therapy side and on the exercise therapy, therapy side, blending together. And I can definitely, definitely help you if you are frustrated because I, we get a lot of patients that have been seeing physio or chiro for two years from a car accident, nothing's getting better, and they come see us and they're like, holy shit, why didn't I do this in the very beginning? So feel free to reach out if you're like, yeah, so my shoulder thing, and I had surgery, and that didn't really heal, like I have ideas that can help. And if not, I can refer you to someone in the industry because I have quite a big, extensive network across the world as great strength coaches and practitioners that can help. So feel free to reach out. That's it for me. Till next time, you guys.